everyone and welcome to another Scots We Hate podcast and today I'm joined by filmmaker uh, Darren Hersher. Hello Darren. How you doing? Uh, good, good. And we're going to talk about your uh, film Do Man um, which is going to be on BBC Scotland on the 31st of March I believe, 10 o'clock uh, which is uh, next Tuesday. So let's talk a little bit about Do Man the film first before we get into the, the actual people. Right. Uh, well, Duman is an obs- observational documentary about a do flyer in Greenock. Um, it's about an hour long, and it took me far too long to make. <laughs> um, so the, the do's, uh, for those who don't know, are the, the pigeons, aren't they? That's uh, pigeon flyers. That's right, yeah. Um, so the film itself, it, it concentrates on a, a couple of guys down there, yeah? Yeah, so basically, uh, I set out to make a film. I was asked by the BBC to make a film about do flyers in the west of Scotland. And, um, you know, I kind of set off uh, with no idea where I was going to go and what kind of film I was going to make, which is kind of where I like to start in the process. Right. And I spoke to a few people in the do world and um, I got this sense that Greenock was, was a bit of a, a, a kind of a, um, a hotbed yeah. for uh, do action. Um, and I, I remember watching uh, Sweet Sixteen a few years ago, mm-hmm. Ken Loach film, and I was struck by how beautiful Greenock looked. Um, on the screen. Yeah. So just on that level, I thought I'm gonna head to Greenock and uh, just check it out. Yeah, because um, there's. Uh, I mean, I've seen the, the the do huts in Glasgow. You know, yeah. from when I was young, I wasn't quite sure what they were. These yeah. little um, uh, buildings, often homemade or always homemade in kind of uh, barren land or, or spare land or whatever. But you're right about the landscape in the film because. I know Greenock a little bit, but mainly the kind of main street going around to Gurick and all that, but you've got all this beautiful stuff at the yeah. back of it. Yeah. Well, like, I kind of I kind of thought that Greenock um, would lend itself visually to a film about the dews because um, a lot of the time you're standing there looking up at yeah. a bird or, you know, on, on the odd occasion, standing on a hill looking down at a bird. So making a film about dudes on flat land on some kind of level might not be so visually interesting so I I was just really keen I just felt the landscape over there would really lend itself to the subject matter um, um, and that's yeah. before I met anyone well I mean I think you're absolutely right because there's one shot where um, one of your protagonists is standing on top of his do hat and in the background you've got Inverclyde kind of opening up and it's yeah. quite stunning because it is it's a stunning Landscape down that way. I'd forgotten that Sweet Sixteen would film down there. Yeah. The one I was thinking of was there was a play for today called Elephant's Graveyard. Yeah. Billy Connolly's in it, and one of the main characters escapes into that landscape at the back. He's supposed to be going to work, but he no longer works. Yeah. And there's an element of that, isn't there, about escape with the do the do flyers and what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the guys that fly the do's because. I I'd met a few of the the do flyers in Glasgow along the the canals mm-hmm. uh, 
around Mary Hill. Um, and I, you know, I'd, I'd kind of walk along there fairly regularly and just got chatting to them. And a lot of the guys, you know, didn't work or uh, just seemed to have a lot of time in their hands. Um, and if you fly the do's, it, it, it's often quite helpful to have a lot of time in your hands. Yeah. Because the do's, uh, it's almost a bit like a full-time job, you know what I mean? The amount of time and energy uh, that you've got to put into looking after them and then the flying. Yeah. So... Because it's almost like, for me, having watched the film, it's almost like the do's are members of the family. You know, and ones that need a lot of kind of looking after. There's a lovely scene where um, a character introduces... Is it Daniel? Is that the central? Yeah. He introduces his daughter to the do's and it's like yeah. oh have you met such and such you know and, there's, yeah. and then there's uh, not other scenes where uh, someone else's daughter is feeding um, a sick do yeah. uh, uh, as if you might with a, a younger child or a younger sibling or something like that so there's a real kind of well one that I think there's a lot of theme of family in the film in whole and the, the pigeons are, are part of that yeah the, the two like the do man in the film is a guy, guy called Daniel. Yeah. Um, and for him, the the do's is very much about escapism. You know, he flies from a, a hut on the top of a hill mm-hmm. at the back of Greenock, and it. And as far as I know, it's it's the oldest hut in Greenock. Oh it's right. Been there for, um, I can't remember, but about fifty years or something. It's passed down from family members, isn't it? I just remember. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so that's been there a long time. Um, Daniel lived probably a couple of miles from the hut, um, so every day he would he would walk from his from his flat um, to the hut, rain, hail or shine, mm-hmm. um, and he'd spend most of the day there, mostly school hours because um, he's got some children. And, yeah. Uh, you know he, he's, he was. He was a very kind of proactive um, father at home. Home sure. was quite uh, complicated, mm-hmm. uh, so um, so for him, going to the do's and spending time with the do's was was very much about not escaping that environment, um, but just going out somewhere on the side of a hill, and it was on his terms, and um, and he very much loved loves his pigeons you know he's very passionate about it it's, it's the most important thing in his world i would say yeah aside from his family um so he lived and breathed it and uh, so um and daniel also he he, he had um some mental health issues he, he suffered from manic depression in the past mm-hmm. so so the dues for him was very much a leveler you know, he would go out into the hill. Um, he'd have a lot of time and space to himself. Uh, you know, he 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 just seemed to to get everything he needed um, from the do's. Yeah, because initially I thought, is he kind of avoiding in inverted commas real life? But as the film goes on, you think, no, he's not. This is part of his real life. This is just another aspect. It's not like. Oh, I'm away out and don't come near me. He's he wants to um, share the joy he takes and what he does with the people that he cares about as well. Yeah, I think 
I, I, I think increasingly Daniel um, kind of shared his interest in the dues. Um, he, he, he really enjoyed the process of making the film. Right. Um, you know, his one of the of his motivations for making the film was 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 to kind of tell the world about the dudes. Yeah. You know. Um uh so it was you know, when I when I first encountered Daniel it was very much um he was up there um alone with the dudes and then, you know uh interacting with the other do flyers, but his his family life was very separate. Oh, that's interesting. But but over the course of the the year year and a half that I was filming with Daniel, um, his children would come up more often, um, spend time with the dudes, and he was sharing you know his passion with his daughter in particular. Yeah. He was trying, over the course of my filming period, to to almost um, get to know her a little bit better and vice versa. You know that the. the by taking his daughter up to the, the Duke, it was almost a way for her to get to know him. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, um, the, the, there's scenes um, where a, he, it starts right at the beginning where he's, there's a language which kind of threw me a little bit. You know, he actually, it's not like words, it's, it's noises, it's trying to replicate what the do's speak to each other, is that right? Uh, kind of. <laughs> Um, the guys very much try to get into the the mindset of a pigeon, yes. which is kind of harder than maybe it, it you know it might seem. Um, they they would they would make they would you know if you listen to a Duman, it would take a lifetime to understand you know how a pigeon thinks. I was just wondering how uh, they were going to subtitle the noise when <laughs> yeah. it's pigeon or it's really funny actually. I, I saw a trailer yesterday that the BBC had created and, and they, they tried to subtitle the, you know, the various noises and things and it was, I think it would be quite funny. <laughs> but the reason I ask that question is because um, in that way it, it makes sense that originally he kind of kept it to himself or just with the other flyers because they might think it's no one else, they might think no one else was interested but maybe because you've shown an interest then he maybe thought oh maybe my family would be interested in this I think that that's a possible um, thing that he maybe never considered before that you know would anyone be interested in what I do or you know my birds I think traditionally it's very much a a male a working class male pastime Um, you know all these guys genuinely will go out and talk about nothing but pigeons um, yeah. and do flying you know 10 hours on the hill solid and it's all about the do's um, so so maybe there is there is an element of feeling that it, you know it's it's their world and um, and maybe uh, others wouldn't understand that particularly um, women there's not many women that mm. fly the do's there are a, there are a few right um, but I think that's what makes Stuart quite interesting who's Daniel's rival right because I, I was I was attracted to to their um, rivalry for, for lots of reasons um, 
one was was the kind of setting. Yeah. You know, the beautiful setting where you've got uh, a duke on the top of the hill and um, another at the bottom bottom of the hill. And it's... they're literally, you know, uh, you know they're, they're at constant war with each other, which, you know, is kind of hilarious. It's such a brilliant setting because... You know they they're close enough that they can shout abuse or shout yeah. stuff at each other, and then you've but you've got Daniel almost like King of the Hill, yeah. like uh, I was here or my Duke was here first type of thing, and it is hilarious. It is genuinely yeah. funny. Yeah, if 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 there wasn't a, uh, an animation called King of the Hill, that was going to be the name of the documentary, but <laughs> unfortunately the title uh, was taken. So so I was interested on that on that level, but also. Um, Stuart is a a single father. Yeah. Um. So it's just Stuart, and he has a daughter, Jody, young young girl, who was when I started filming, she was eleven. Um, and Jody, Jody has a genuine interest in the yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and Stuart would uh, breed dues at home, and so he'd take the his interest in the do's back into his flat uh, like a lot of these guys very much lived and breathed it as well but Stuart kind of you know was taking it a little bit further and and Jody, uh she'd want to go to the to the hut um, and want to hang out with uh, Stuart and want to learn and um, and it was just so lovely to to kind of witness witness that you know father daughter um, relationship really strong um, you know I, 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 I felt um, in a, a an interest like the do's which when I went into it was, was I'd been told was very male dominated yeah. I felt very lucky to um, discover a, a, a situation where there was a young girl you know who who was just as passionate as any as any of the guys, um, and it was a really lovely insight into the dynamics of their relationship as well. So, mm-hmm. um, whereas Daniel, you know, was very much the kind of the you know when I first went into that um, environment, he was the the guy standing up up on top of the hill, you know, kind of quite isolated and you know wanted a separation between his personal life um, and his do flying at the bottom of the hill was Stuart and Jody who were very much sharing yeah and I think at some level maybe Daniel um, uh, observed that and thought particularly when his his daughter came in came into the situation he thought he could share his interest in the, in the do's also um, um, for reasons that we discussed earlier, you know that uh, that maybe it was a way of her getting to know him and him getting to know her. Because there is a genuine interest there, and he's genuinely proud to show her. And there's a, there's a, a lovely scene where um, the two daughters sing a song from Hamilton, which is so unexpected. And that's the thing; it's a very there's lots of unexpected moments in it. Um, if uh, someone had said to me there's a film being made about do flyers in Inverclyde and you've kind of got an idea of what it's going to be which is what the premise you set out at the beginning but there are so many unexpected uh, um, moments in it 
Um, I presume when you're making a film like this, these are the things that always surprise you. Yeah, um, you know, naturally when you, when you, uh, well, everybody makes films differently, but the, sure. what what I try to do is, you know, you one will have preconceptions of you know the world that you're stepping into and, of and everything else. Um, I as much as possible try to do everything um, which challenges those preconceptions. So I'll maybe look for unlikely characters, yeah. um, just something uh, that feels exciting for me, you know, something that's maybe not cliched or expected um, and, and obvious, you know. And, and what, I like, what I like to do with my films um, is, is just spend a lot of time with my characters um, you know there's my formula changes every time sometimes oh, okay. okay sometimes uh, you know I'll, I'll meet someone very quickly and start filming very quickly which actually happened on this occasion and then other times I'll I'll, I'll meet a contributor and spend several months with them um, before I start filming so you know every situation is different um but it's the style, I don't want to say style, but you keep, you're never on screen. Mm. You're actually rarely heard. There's not a lot of you, but there's a few questions and that's it. Is that something that you always try to do to make sure that the focus is on the people that you're interested in? Yeah. What I, what I try to do, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very much an observational um kind of approach yeah uh, I you know I'm obviously very passionate about documentary but I'm even more um, excited about drama right and what I try to do is you know I, I spend enough time with my contributors over a period of time where you know we, we kind of work out a, a, a some rules of engagement, sure, as it were. Sure, yeah. And when I when I turn up, I, I don't want them to say anything they wouldn't normally say. I like silence. I don't want people to fill, you know, um, a quiet moment, um, which is which is really difficult. You know, I, I suppose if you were directing some, um, some actors, uh, a lot of actors would possibly um, overact yeah. because they feel they've got to do something um, I think the same applies to documentary right. uh, because uh, you know if somebody's pointing a camera at you you kind of feel like you need to to, to do something more yeah um, so so as much as possible from the beginning I say to them, no I don't, I don't want you to you know to kind of do anything you know I, I am in the room with a camera pointing at you and I will ask you questions every now and then but I, I just like things to kind of evolve at a natural pace in terms of storylines, um, you know, as much as possible. Again, I'll try to get the information uh, that's on the screen uh, contained yeah, yeah. within the action, uh -huh. the pictures and what people are saying. And that's really difficult. 
so in order to get to that point I, I think there's no shortcut other than getting to know your your contributors really really well allowing them to get to know you really really well and, yeah. and build up a, a a relationship of trust sure sure um, and hopefully you get to a point where you can you can be in their their world um, and you and you can observe and and capture it and when you're really lucky uh, you capture something that means something or, yeah you know um, uh, there's a great moment where um, a, because part of the, the do flying is to capture other birds and where Daniel captures a bird and he just turns around and says I hope you got that in camera which <laughs> is fabulous yeah. because it's the only time really that you're I think that you're kind of directly referenced that you're even there you know and I think when you're watching something that's fascinating because you become unaware of that yeah there is someone with a camera even as a viewer as well as uh, you know because they're not playing up to the camera yeah. in any way yeah um, yeah that was that was hilarious because uh, that was a big moment and it, there's a lot of lack mm. um, involved with filmmaking, you know, I, I feel. Uh, and that was a really good example of it because I, I actually, I was filming for about a year and a half mm -hmm. with uh, the two guys in Greenock. And the reason I was filming for so long was because the during the first year, I didn't realise this, but um, there's effectively a shutdown right. in the pigeon season where the 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 dews go into a molt, so they shed all their their uh, feathers. And when I when I first encountered the guys, um, started filming, and everything felt good, you know, two good characters, really good, you know good setup um, visually you know it was all there but the one thing that was missing was that nobody was catching birds uh. <laughs> um, you know so I spent literally about three or four months filming just birds in the sky and nobody was catching anything and uh, and I was just starting to get really worried you know I was thinking damn you know I'm, I'm going to be making I'm making a film about do flying um where the whole point is to catch someone else's birds and mm -hmm. nobody's catching anything. So it's not very exciting. Um, and then, you know, we were, we were approaching the molt where there were effectively, you know, the, the birds were going to be grounded for a few months. So I was, I was kind of um, really concerned. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I was really lucky. The luck comes in because... Um, and this always amazes me mm -hmm. when I... When I when I'm filming, uh, you know, this combination of being there at the right time and with the right characters and, uh, and the right conditions, yeah. the light and, and the flying. Um, and Daniel had gone through like the whole summer. He, he hadn't caught bird, but he'd lost loads. Yeah, I, that was quite stunning when he, he put a number on it. I wouldn't spoil it, folks. But yeah. yeah, so... You know, I was a little bit uncomfortable with, uh, you know, this idea that I was going to be presenting Daniel as, you know, as a, a kind of prolific loser, you know. 
Yeah. Because I, you know, I was really kind of rooting for him. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Um, so I really, really wanted to see him catch catch a bird. Uh, so anyway, on this particular day, it was a, it was a day where you don't usually catch birds. You know, you you fly birds by pairs. Right. Because effectively over the course of a, a week with dues you'll fly them at the weekend uh, odd which means that you know the birds will go out solo right and they're sex starved and, and that increases the chances of you know captures but during the week you'll you put the birds with their partners um, and you'll fly them together so it's it's a way to get them on the wing you know okay and, uh, exercise and you know allow the birds to kind of to tread and mate and stuff and then and then you'll separate them separate them again and then they'll will get all you know sexually frustrated and then you fly them at the weekend so this was like a Tuesday there was nothing happening and there were flying pairs and anyway you know I won't spoil it for anyone but this kind of situation developed and very, very quickly, uh, Daniel managed to, to catch himself um, a bird. And I just happened to be, well, A, on the hill. Yeah. On, uh, you know, in that particular morning. Mm-hmm. Where not, you know, I was probably in two minds as to whether I'd go. Yeah. B, in the right spot. Yeah. To get it. Yeah, absolutely. C, I was recording. And D, it was sharp. Yeah. And uh, E, you know, the sound worked. Do you know what I mean? There's lots it's of levels lots where of yeah, sure. it might not have worked for me. And uh, something that was really, really important. If if I didn't manage to get that, that's the only, you know, I went into the next season because I had to because I didn't mm-hmm. have enough material, but that was the only bird he caught that summer. <laughs> the, um, talking about this, the, the sound, you see, you know, you don't want to fill silences and there's lots of lovely... Um, sections where perhaps it's just Daniel sitting in his chair and you hear the sounds of nature and nothing else, you know, and maybe a little bit of noise in the background, whatever, it's very natural. But there's also kind of choral singing on the soundtrack too. So what, I mean, where does that come from for a start? Um, yeah, with, with the soundtrack, I, you know, it's, the soundtrack's something that I always find find really challenging mm-hmm. to find the right music for a film because it, I don't want to impose music on a film that doesn't kind of um, just work yeah you know the kind of subject matter and, um, and and the aesthetic of the film and uh, I was I was quite keen not to have any music because in, in the past I've I've had films with a lot of music and then I've had films with no music right. so it's whatever a particular film demands sure you know I kind of feel like the films ultimately tell me okay um, or kind of guide me to make the right decisions uh, and I I ended up going with um, a, some really beautiful choral music from the Glasgow Madrigals um, for a couple of reasons uh, the first is that my partner is in, is in the choir. So you had access. Yeah, so I'd been along to a couple of the shows and I was like, mental note, this is really lovely. 
really lovely, beautiful music. Um, and, you know, I've got somebody that knows them. Yeah. As in them. So... <laughs> And it works a treat. I mean, you know, yeah. it, 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 when it comes in, it really quite is, is um, quite striking. Yeah. Um, the other reason was uh, it's this whole whole idea of making a film that challenges what you might perceive to be the film you're about, you're just about to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A film about the do's, um, a very male-dominated world. Um, and I, I, I kind of, I wanted to, to challenge that in the sense that, you know, we already we discussed that there's, um, you know, some daughters that, that are very mm-hmm. prominent in the film and, um, Daniel's favorite bird, favorite pigeon, you know, his love interest in, in a sense is, is one of his hens, you know, yeah, yeah. so it's a very strong kind of female, um, kind of presence absolutely throughout the film so so I felt I I wanted to to use the female choir because it because it would just add another expected layer to the film um, you know I, I, obviously I wanted to if you're going to have music you hope that the music will elevate the film sure to something it wasn't before so you know I played the film without music with the sound of nature, and, mm. which is really important in that environment, um, and it works perfectly fine, and uh, but I, but I also felt the using the the, the female choir um, would give me something just a little bit. Um, I I just felt the music would would add another dimension to the film, and I and and to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a pressure uh, when you make films for television. Uh, you know, to constantly keep your viewer kind of interested and engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of my films have been for a television audience, but I've done my best again to try and make films that kind of challenge that. You right. know? So, yeah, so yeah. kind of, I love slow slow cinema and you know and lots of space in my films and um I seem to have gotten away with quite a lot <laughs> over the years but but without doubt that there is a a um a compromise yeah of course that there is one and when I'm in the edit you know I'll have viewings with commissioners uh where you know the it's not a battle, but you know, there's there's definitely a, a, a kind of a middle ground that we try and reach. You know, I'll make my kind of art house film, in the first half of the edit, they'll come in and you know and kind of watch the film through the kind of the gaps in their fingers <laughs> and, and then, say, "Can we get some yeah. uh, modern music on this?" Or something? Yeah, yeah, and can somebody say something? <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then it's just about finding a middle ground, you know, between what they feel is a, is a film that uh, that they can screen on BBC Scotland <laughs> and something that I'm happy with. Um, but I think what that does when people uh, there's a, I say there's a lot of silence when when 
things are said, they often have greater meaning or greater, they certainly are given greater meaning because it's not just a narrative or anything like that. And uh, Daniel says at one point, um, they all get captured eventually, talking about the birds, but that seemed to have such, so many layers of meaning. They are, and uh, it, it was, there was a real philosophical aspect to not just him, I think, but a lot of the people involved. This idea, almost the Zen thing that, well, you know, we uh, no one's going to eventually win or lose, even though it's competitive, so competitive uh, at times that they start to annoy each other. But um, that that just stuck with me that you know they all get they all get captured eventually. Yeah. Well, what I was kind of hoping to do um, with with Daniel's story in particular, um, just to go back to his kind of home life. Sure. Um, he 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 from a previous marriage has a couple of daughters who live in England mm-hmm. and grew up in care um, and he has a couple of sons to with his present partner yeah. uh, in Greenock and over the course of the, the filming um, the filming duration which is another reason why I kept filming just to kind of have a conclusion to that sure. story uh-huh. his youngest daughter Kira um was thinking about moving up to Greenock, you know, um, and um, and it was it was a, a fascinating set of circumstances um, for me to observe because Kira and her sister Shona, um, two really bright mm-hmm. um, young women, who 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 had obviously had a a difficult um, childhood, but. On the surface, had come through incredibly well, and they were they were really close, and yeah. you know, it was lovely to observe them together. Really looked out for each other, but obviously, in some kind of level, Kira wanted to move up um, to Greenock to be with her father and to be with her, you know, her father's um, new family, and so throughout the course of the film. Um, she had to make a very difficult decision you know do I stay with my sister down south or mm-hmm. do I come up come up north so I felt it was uh, a, a kind of a parallel yeah. to, to do flying you know this idea that you know using Daniel's favourite bird as an example mm-hmm. the queen queen of the hill they called her every time he flew the queen there was a chance that he could lose her yeah that she could just fly off and never come back, um, but you know, in in order to, um, in order to fully appreciate the the joy of flying the doos, you have to ne- negotiate the risk of mm. losing, um, losing your favorite bird, and and I felt with Kira's story. Um, I'm not going to say how, how how it goes, but there was a there was an element that an element of whether Kira was going to stay with Daniel or fly away, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so on a on a on a philosophical level, um, you know, it's storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So when you're filming these things, you know, it's it's, it's pure documentary, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that 
it's not scripted, you know, I just try and capture what happens. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, you just kind of put your faith in the process. But when you get, when you step into the edit, um, you've got all these different story elements and naturally you, you try and put them t together in such a way where, you know, kind of, it's meaningful. Well, I think that's the perfect place to leave it down. Um, it's on Do Man on BBC Scotland, 31st of March, which is a Tuesday at 10pm. And I think it's a fascinating and beautiful film. Um, so everybody should definitely tune in for that. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm -hmm.